Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Blue Ngo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Doing Well, the show where we talk about all things well-being. And today's topic is a very interesting one. I've never talked to anyone about this in depth before. Today, we're going to talk about techniques of mindful breathing. And we have a guest, a very special guest, who's the expert in this field, um, all the way from DC. And she's in our virtual studio today. Uh, I've had a lot of fun talking to her before we started the conversation. So I'm excited for you to get to meet her as well. And by way of introduction, today we have in our studio, Lauren Schellick Kayfritz. She is an internationally known breathwork teacher, speaker, and the author of Breath Love. She's also the national representative for the International Breathwork Foundation and is a member of the Global Professional Breathwork Alliance. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Lauren. It's been so lovely to chat to you earlier, and now I'm excited to talk about the topic of the day. Um, and please introduce a bit more about yourself, your journey, and how you got to do the work that you're doing with our audience. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun getting to talk with you across the globe. And um, yeah, my journey for breath work, you know, I, I went and got my master's in journalism and I was a photojournalist for years. And then my I, my son was nine months old and I could not turn my neck. The pain was off the charts. And, you know, um, anywhere I went, they talked about surgery and this and that. I'm like, I have a nine month old. I can't do that. And long story short, I got to breath work. And very, very first one-on-one -on -one breathwork session with this trained breathworker. I was laying down and I was doing my session and halfway through, it was clear as day that the pain in my neck was both physical and emotional. And I figured out who my pain in the neck was and what the situation was. And as I began to heal uh, the situation, my neck began to heal. And so breathwork is a pure mind, body, spirit practice. And it has brought me so many gifts over the 20 years that I've been doing it. And it, I'm passionate about teaching as many people as possible how to do it. I've, I've helped people on planes who have had panic attacks. I've helped people in grocery stores. Um, I've got invited to a wedding for helping someone through a breath problem. So, um, it's a powerful practice and thank you for inviting me today to share more. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. As I said, I don't think I've talked to anyone about this in depth, um, but a lot of our, the guests on this show particularly have talked about mindful breathing or you know the using the breath as a tool to either manage your emotion or you know um, 
even regulate how you're feeling when you're going through trauma or something that's kind of really hard for you to control and some other cases of use as well. But I think today we're going to really talk about the different ways that we can utilize and uh, make the most of mindful breathing and the breath work um, practice that you mentioned is yeah. kind of different. Um, so I think we'll have, we'll have fun discovering that. Before we go into that particular part of this conversation, we always invite our guests to introduce a bit more about themselves in a fun way. And we call this part, Have You Met Lauren? So we'll get some recommendations from you to get to know you a bit better. I really like this section because I get a lot of good recommendations from the guests. So are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. First thing first, what is a book you would recommend? Okay, so I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to choose Breath Love which is my book, because it is a very complex set subject breathwork, but I wrote it in a very simple way. And every time I give it to someone, they've told me that it's helped them deal with a crisis, a life transition, and they keep it next to their bed and they read it a little bit at night and it keeps them calm and helps them go to sleep. So I would say breath love. Yeah, I love that. Okay, next one is a movie. What is a movie that you would recommend to our audience uh, or your all-time favorite? So that's really hard again, because I love movies. I love, love, love them. And I think of movies as medicine. So depending yeah. the mood you're in, you need a different kind of movie. I, and I work very deeply with people, you know, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one session or group or retreat or whatever, I'm working deep diving with people. So I love romantic comedies. And they're just fun and they, you know, so they're the new version of family, uh, is Father of the Bride with Andy Garcia. And I love any kind of movie that shows transformation, character transformation, and to watch his relationship with his wife, you know, where he, they start off having this argument at the beginning of the film and he just can't listen. And I always think that listening is intimacy and it's the best gift you can give another person. So anyway, Father of the Bride. Yeah. Oh, I love rom-com and I was trying to find new rom-coms to watch. So that's definitely going on my list. I'm going to put that on the notes right now. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, sounds, oh, seems really interesting. Okay. The next thing is a must ask on this show. You are our guest on this podcast, but we wonder which podcast you listen to the most. So I love Brene Brown. Me too. Yeah. She just, she goes vulnerable. Like I always go vulnerable. Like I say whatever's going on in my life because I always know that when you go vulnerable, it helps other people go vulnerable. So yeah. she's very like warts and all, if you know what I mean by warts and yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she's courageous and vulnerable and I love that combination. Yeah, absolutely. I talk about Brene so much on this show. Yeah, <laughs> the, so then the number of times I've mentioned her name on this show, uh, we can we can make a game out of that. Uh, but yeah, it's totally. I love that. And yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, so I'm guessing when it, when it comes to the podcast, you must listen to her. Oh God, now I forgot the name of the show. But um, dare what is it called again? the name of her podcast if you could remind us is it dare to be courageous or if you just google Brené Brown because I think she has more than one I, anything she does um is powerful and yeah. so even her YouTube videos are amazing or her TED TEDx's or TED yes Talks. yes yeah. I remember now it's called unlocking us yes 
There you yes. go. Yes. Oh, that's such a great show. I love Renee. Okay. Next one. Who is your famous role model, or if not a, a famous person, then who is your personal role model? So I don't. I think the pandemic really shifted things on the planet. Yeah. And if you asked me that before, I probably would have had a, a, another answer. But I was. I had a very good friend. I have a very good friend who I went to high school with, who is a doctor, and during the pandemic, she left the D.C. area and went to New York City and. Right at the beginning, she when it was they didn't know what was happening. She went there to work in hospitals, and she was knee deep in 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 COVID. And so, I haven't. I just think anyone who is a helper, who goes the extra distance to be there for others, I just really look up to that. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And final question: What yes. is a course you've completed that you would like to share with us? So <laughs> that's a hard one too because so many. Because I, I always I I'm in constant learning mode because I want to keep bettering myself and learning and growing as a person. So you know I've studied yoga and Reiki and um, Ayurveda. I can't even say it right now. <laughs> um, so I just signed up to learn how to give a cacao ceremony. So that I, I'm just gonna start that in like a week. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so interesting. What does that entail? So cacao. Have you ever been part of a cacao ceremony? No. Um, my very first one was in Sedona. Okay. And um, and I had a one-on-one -on -one cacao ceremony, and so you sip this very potent cacao, and it was like my ego completely dropped away and it was like i was looking through my higher self's eyes right like oh. it was a very powerful experience and so the funny thing is is um and i had a birthday recently and a friend who i had heard from a long time ago she's she sent me a message and she said i hope you're having chocolate on your birthday because like i'm famous for loving chocolate so for my birthday, I went to Sedona to again recently, like two weeks ago, and um, and a, a person was doing like a kind of a shamanic healing on me, and it was very clear to her that um, I was to train people and to use with breathwork cacao ceremony. So I went ahead and signed up. And <laughs> just went for it so anyway wow. wow my first time hearing about cacao ceremony not gonna lie uh, that that sounds interesting and i also love chocolate this is like i was like whoa this is a thing it's see a thing. i'm learning new things every day talking to you guys i love it um love all the guests of the show and thank you so much for sharing that now we've got to know you a bit better and learn some new things if other people are like me and have never heard of a cacao ceremony. Definitely something new. Now let's talk about techniques of mindful breathing. And I think this is where we're going to really get grounded because, um, yeah, earlier, right, it was hilarious. <laughs> I couldn't really speak. I was kind of like agitated from the morning. I was kind of like running around. I was like, Lauren, I really want to do this. But Let's talk about it because I think breath has to do with everything that we do, you know, like the only tool we have and the, the only thing we can control 
at all times would be our breaths. Um, and that I've learned from a lot of other guests. Uh, but today we'd love to explore that from the context of mindful breathing and how that relates to well-being in different areas of our lives. So first thing first, we always ask our guests to define well-being because this show is all about well-being and each person has such a different definition. So Lauren, what does well-being mean to you? So I, I have to start by saying that well-being is not like an overall statement for everyone that everyone has their own secret sauce. Do you know what I mean by that? For well-being. You know, what well-being means to me is not what it means to you. Like if you look up a definition of well-being, it's going to uh it's going to be something like, you know, a healthy outlook with life, you know, zenness and, you know, eating healthy lifestyle, blah 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 blah. But and it really is an individual thing. Yeah, totally. So what does it mean to you particularly? So well-being for me is just emotional balance is a big piece of it. Um, having healthy habits keeps me in a state of well-being. Um, I, For me, conscious connected breathing every day helps me get to a state of well-being so yeah it's a combination of things that brings me to a state of ease yeah i i feel at ease hearing that already that's that's (laughs) a really beautiful definition and you're absolutely right you know all our guests um emphasize that too you know it's very different for different people well-being is very personal as well as happiness but i think when it comes to defining such a concept um it's important to know that there are different perspectives while we have different elements that we can all look at. So for example, like you said, you utilize um, breath work and mindful breathing to to find that state, right? And yeah. I think this is something that everyone can potentially embrace and, and try as well. If, for example, if they've never heard about it before, you know, it's, it's a good chance for them to try and practice it. So they know more about the ways that they can improve their well-being through mindful breathing, for example. Um, but one of the things that we notice a lot of the times when we talk about the concept of well-being is because each person has a very different definition, sometimes we tend to go for the wrong kinds of definition. Sometimes we have misconceptions and sometimes we see it in ways that are not beneficial for us. Um, so it's also important to address some of these misconceptions. And, you know, according to your work, I'm sure you've met so many different people. You've heard a lot of stories. You've seen a lot of struggles. I'm sure you know um, a, a thing or two, you know, at least a, a few things about misconceptions that people have. So what are some of the biggest misconceptions about well-being that you've noticed in others? So, you know, <laughs> there's different states, right? Like, yeah. I... I know people that think they have to be vegan to have well-being, or they think they have to run 20 miles every day to have well-being, or that they have to practice breathwork for 20 minutes to have well-being, or they have to do life right Mm. to have well-being. And it's not that at all. Like sometimes well-being is just being able to let go and sit in a chair or a bench outside to close your eyes and just get present. Feel your yeah. breath come in and out. Feel the sun on your face. 
So sometimes well-being is doing nothing. Absolutely. So true. I feel like it's such a hard thing to achieve nowadays. And I was actually talking to a friend yesterday um, and we were talking about her burnout, you know, and I was asking, hey, how are you going? And she was saying to me something that hit really hard because I've been feeling the same way. She was saying, you know, it's it's hard because sometimes I feel guilty when I'm resting. I feel guilty when I'm not doing anything. And I know I shouldn't. And I was like, exactly, we shouldn't. You know, we should allow ourselves to just be. You know, like sometimes I sit on my couch and I just look at the sky, that's it. Oh, you know, outside the window, I just do that. I do nothing else. No music's playing, no movies playing, nothing. I'm, I'm just enjoying the moment. And for a very long period, I was like, I feel guilty for not doing anything. But then, you know what? That was productive rest that I needed. So that was a really big misconception that you addressed um, that I think is really true for a lot of us. So can I shift for one second to something that you just said? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of us spend the day and fight and flee. They're barely breathing, they're chest breathing, which means they're not diaphragmatically breathing, which puts them in fight, fight and flight. Mm-hmm. And um, and your organs heal in rest and digest. So put a hand on your belly and take a deep breath into your belly. As you inhale, the belly's gonna come out. As you exhale, the belly is going to come back in towards your spine. And take another one. And one more deep breath in. And as you exhale, let go. Just close your eyes and feel for a minute. Just notice what the energy feels like inside. What What do you feel inside you right now? You might feel some buzzing or tingling or nothing. I don't feel anything in particular at the moment, but I think I feel more relaxed compared to before. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was doing with you is having you take a couple belly breaths, Mm -hmm. putting you into your parasympathetic system, right? Into your rest and digest. So that you can heal. So when you're sitting on a sofa and just looking at clouds and chilling out and taking some low, slow breaths, you are putting yourself in rest and digest. You're doing the best healthy thing you can do for yourself. Oh, that's so good to hear. So this is something important. You know, if other people are doing the same thing, well, it's productive rest. It's great. I think it's a wonderful thing that we should all do more of because I feel like there's a there's a culture of hustle and you know there's a an emphasis on doing more every day and I feel like sometimes doing less is actually doing more like what you were saying right because you were utilizing the breath and and really nurturing your body which is super important and uh, as I said mindful breathing is not a new thing but also it's hard to master because, well, we we can, you know, consciously practice it or we talk about it um, in passing with friends or colleagues or, you know, whoever we meet. 
Uh, but I think doing it can actually be really hard because there would be a lot of challenges, right? As I just mentioned, there's a hustle culture. There's a need to do more. Uh, everyone is busy. You know, the grind never stops, basically. So those are some of the challenges that I personally think exist in today's society. And sometimes I encounter them myself. So I wonder in your line of work, you know, when you've worked with these many people and doing all these different things and even written a book about it, what are some of the key challenges do you think people would encounter when they try to practice mindful breathing more? So let me back up again, because you said something really important about the culture being boom, 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 work, work, work. I've been brought in, if you go to my website, you'll see I've been brought in by some of the top corporations around the world. So they are taking time out of their employees' day to have me teach them how to breathe and how to help them create what I call a breath break. So just like, so um, let's take a breath break for a minute. You're buzzy, 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 trying to get a lot done in your day. And then all of a sudden you feel yourself feeling some overwhelm, like your friends feeling some burnout. I want you to cross your arms over your belly. Mm -hmm. So you feel a little pressure on your belly, right? So slowly in and out through your nose, breathe in. Feel your belly push out against your arms. And as you exhale, feel your arms come back down. So inhale into your arms. Exhale and feel your arms relax and release. Two more with your eyes closed. Inhale. And exhale. And one more. In. And out. And just take a minute and close your eyes and breathe gently and notice how you feel on the inside. And as that was just some small ones, you may again not feel anything or you may feel a little buzzy or tingly. So <clears throat> breath with breaks a couple times during the day, again, are going to put you in rest and digest, which is really healthy, not just for your body, but for your mind. So um, a challenge for people is that they have these busy, busy, busy brains, you know, these beautiful, brilliant brains. I, I once said to a relative of mine, like, it would be great for you to try breath, uh, sorry, not breath work, back in the day I said to him, it was great for you to try some meditation. Would you like to learn how to meditate? And he's like, absolutely not. Why would I ever want to do that? Because he didn't want to let go of one thought. Each thought was so precious. And what we don't realize is when we let go of our thoughts, they'll be there for us when we're done, but it's safe to let them go for a period of time. And when you do that, you get to regroup and then you're in a different space to then meet the next challenge, right? So one thing I've noticed, I'm, I'm going to stick with the busy corporate kind of thing because that's what you were talking about. Um, with corporations, whether I'm on retreat with people or not, they're they're telling me that 
once they learn how to do this and they use it during the time, like I was with the corporate retreat in Tahoe last year and um, I was with them for three or four days. And then by day two or three, they're like, this is huge. Like they they start to understand. At first they thought, I already breathe. Why do I need to do this? And then they start to see that when you take some mindful breaths deeper in and you learn how to diaphragmatically breathe and I do other things to help open people's breath up, they start to feel differently. They start to walk differently. They start to talk differently. They, I do some breathing with people in like, so if you and I are looking into each other's eyes, I have people sit very close together and I have them breathe 10 breaths in and out looking into someone's eyes and it's very vulnerable and you can't look away and you can't nod and you can't do anything. You just stay connected to your breath and you breathe with another person and people want to fidget and move, but they can't, they just have to stay with it. And by the 10th breath, sometimes people cry and hug. Sometimes um, someone said they, they feel so connected that they end up having lunch together later that day. Um, they had to get first past their vulnerability of wanting to do some breathing exercises and being intimately close with another person. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you have to get over to be able to do the deeper work. Yeah. Am, I an- am I answering your question? <laughs> Well, yeah, totally. It's really good to address one of the biggest challenges because I think you just touched on something super important. Work is such a big part of our lives. And, you know, when when at work, you get overwhelmed easily on some days. And I know this because I talk to my team a lot. You know, like with my team, I know that sometimes they feel like they need to get this done ASAP or that, you know, whatever the deadline is. And uh, they get overwhelmed and they're like, I don't, I don't really know where to start. And so sometimes gonna, I feel the same way. So an interesting piece is when you start to get overwhelmed, you can't think straight. There's a reason for that. So when you take a conscious breath, right? Take a deep breath in and let it go. You just lit up your prefrontal cortex, the higher reasoning part of your brain. That's the part of the brain you want to be in when you're doing a project. So if you're fearful and you got a lot of going on, you're running around like, right? You're in your amygdala, the primitive part of your brain. That's the part of the brain that like keeps you from walking in front of a car. But that's not the part of the brain you want to be in when you're doing a project, right? Yeah. So getting your team to take 10 breaths together, regroup, and then attack the project, you're going to be in a different space. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Which is why I said that was one of the, uh, the really interesting challenges that you address. Uh, but my question was around other challenges. So what are some of the other challenges that we should look out for? You know, work is a big part of our lives, but then other things happen as well. Right. So what are some of the challenges that we should look out for when we try to practice mindful breathing or when we first get into it or even try to keep it up because things happen and we, we can easily fall off and forget about it, right? And the, the show is about well-being. We want to remind our audience to actually look out for these challenges and 
really build it into their lives. So what are some of the challenges that they should look out for? Because you're not going to leave my answer. (laughs) I'm going to give it to you. The answer is you have to build habits like brushing your teeth. Every day you brush your teeth at least twice a day, right? You don't not do that. I mean, at least I don't do that. And I floss because it's to help get your heart healthy and stuff, right? So, and I take a tub a couple times a week or at least once a week because taking some deep breaths in a tub helps clear you and calm you and relaxes your muscles. And I stretch every day because I, as we talked about at the beginning, I had a very tight neck and to keep my neck feeling wonderful and juicy, I have to stretch every day. So I created a routine that I can do every day that works for me. So every person has something different. Like for me, I don't get out of bed in the morning without putting a hand on my belly and one on my chest. And then inhaling from my belly to my chest and letting it go and doing some conscious connected. And we didn't even talk yet the difference between just mindful breathing and conscious connected, connected breathing, which is breath work. Mm. And that's another whole topic. But anyway, I do some breath work in the morning before I get out of bed because I always, you could set your alarm 10 minutes early, do some connected breathing. I don't need coffee in the morning after I do my breathing. I go into a warm shower and that relaxes my muscles after sleep. And then I put the shower on cold, cold, cold because that wakes you up and helps clear you and it gets you ready for your day, right? And then um, and then my day goes and then I make sure I get a walk in nature every day. So even if you're in an office situation and you walk around the block, right? You know, instead of a bathroom break, you go take a, a walk and you come back into your office and you're in a clearer space. And then when you get home, um, well, interesting enough, um, I'm brought in a lot to work with doctors and nurses. So like I've worked at like in DC, the Washington Hospital Center, I've whatever hospital I work with, Children's Hospital here, um, I ask each doctor and nurse before they enter a room to take three breaths. And one more, because that way they're leaving all the stress that they had from another patient and they're entering the next room in a clearer space so they can hear more, right? Because otherwise you're in an reactive state. And as we said earlier, listening is a healing modality. So if we want to really listen, we have to be in a clear space to listen. So, um, so I built that in for them, you know, so they had to slow their steps down. Maybe sometimes between a patient, they'll, they'll breathe and walk kind of a mindful meditation from one patient to the next. Some people, I have them take one breath before they answer a call, you know, so there's many ways to bring in mindful breathing, um, Cause like the first thing I hear is like, I don't have time. I have kids and lunches to make and this and that, you know, like there's always reasons, right? But the highest thing we can do for another is to be clear, right? And open and available and present. 
Yeah. And we can't be present if we don't have these tools. We don't mm. use them. Yeah, totally. And, so, and some people it's before they go to bed at night, right? Like, so, I mean, cause this is the big excuse. I don't have time. So yeah. let's go to, before you go to sleep at night, you take a deep breath in for eight. Can you breathe in for the count of eight? Some people can, some can't. So it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then out for eight. And by the time they do a couple long, slow breaths, their whole body slows down and they can sleep better. So there's many excuses and that's the biggest thing that stops people from being mindful. But if you're upping your water take during the day, if you're walking a little bit, if you're giving yourself a cold shower, if you're doing some sort of breathwork practice, if you're smiling more, you're going to find a sense of well-being. Yeah, that is so true. I think we just uh, not only addressed some of the challenges, but also how to overcome them, which is a really good one, because I really like that you said you, you build the habits for yourself. Uh, but again, this is something that will have to be customized to each person because, you know, it's got to be something that works for you, for you particularly, right? Uh, maybe some people like to go for a walk first thing in the morning. And for you, it's like a the shower part. And I really like that. But I think it's also a matter of learning about ourselves, find out what works for us and build in that mindful breathing at a time that works for us as well. Maybe first thing in the morning might not work for some people, but, uh, you know, perhaps during or after the walk would be helpful. And that got me to think. So, the, so mindful breathing is not something that you can only do when you're seated or, you know, like when you're in a particular situation. So how can we adapt it in different scenarios? So you already talked about work, um, you know, when you did some workshop for with corporates and things like that. But for ourselves, how can we adapt mindful breathing in different situations in our lives? For example, when we exercise, when we are working, uh, when we are cleaning even, I'm pretty sure there are multiple ways we can adapt mindful breathing in our lives. So when you start doing breath work, conscious connected breathing, this deep rhythmic breathing that really clears you and it's super powerful. And we haven't really talked about it much, but we will. Yeah. You notice your breath 24 seven. When you're awake, you're noticing, like you'll feel when you stop breathing. Like I used to have phone apnea. If I was talking with someone who was like, rah, 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 right? Like <laughs> I noticed I stopped breathing and it hurt. So now I'm constantly noticing if I'm breathing or not breathing, if I'm shallow or if I'm full. Like, so you, it's, it becomes a, pra a life practice. And um, relationships are a great place to practice breath work because if you have a partner in life, I've been married 31 years, <laughs> I love my husband and, you know, um, I've learned a lot about patience, using my breath to build patience, using my breath to be in challenging situations so I'm not reactive. So when we're emotional, it's a really good time to check in where your breath is, to slow it down to just be for a few beats before answering someone. Um, you know, you talked about um, 
you know, doing the dishes. I do not like doing the dishes. So let's be honest. And it is a blessing to be able to have water and soap and something to put, you know, like doing a doing the dishes is a blessing. So when I slow down and I be present with what I'm doing, it shifts my perception of doing the dishes. So breath work helps us with mindful living, which I'm sure your other guests have also talked about. You know, how we walk, how we talk. When you, our breath regulates everything. Every organ in our, in every single organ in our body is affected by our breath. So you want to start to optimize your health, you need to learn how to optimize your breath. And that means you're constantly checking in, right? So you talked about exercise, you know, um, there's breathing for athletes and a big piece of what they're doing right now. I don't know if you've seen people do the mouth tape. Oh, I haven't. Runners are learning how to to stay with their nose breathing when they're running, right? And so, um, you know, when I walk up a fast, I'm not a big runner, so I love to walk fast. And when I'm walking up a very high hill, I know how hard it is for me. If I can stay in my nose the whole time, I'm I'm good. But there are some hills where I, at the end, I'm like, (sighs) I'm like, oh my God. And as soon as I get to the top of the hill, I shift back to my nose. And it might start like that. And then it'll even until it's back to a regulated nose breath. So again, you know, like our breath is super important. And I love when I've been brought in by schools. I've got to work with little kids putting little bean bags on their bellies and having them like lay down and breathe the bean bag up and down. And you can do that with your children at home. You put a stuffed animal on their belly and you just tell them to inhale it up and exhale it down. And they start to learn how to regulate their breath. And then it, when they get to school, they know how to regulate their breath. And so um, sometimes I work with families, so you can do breathing in a family situation. And so a family will bring me in and they'll all lay down on their floor. It's kind of cute. Anyway, my favorite story is a six-year-old, yeah, five or six-year-old, who um, the youngest of the crew that I was breathing, I wasn't even sure if she was getting it. Her dad, two weeks later, came in from work and he was just a grumpy and a mess and she took him by the hand and pulled him to the sofa. And she said, you're going to breathe with me. Aww. So she got it. She understand her dad needed to breathe. It's when pediatricians come to these huge health conferences. I love getting to work with pediatricians because they can, look, are you an actress? Can I pull out your acting hands for a minute? Sure. Okay. Let's do it. I'll try. Me, okay, so here you're going to give me shocked and surprised, and you're okay. going to ready. So shocked and surprised. <laughs> now breathe. Where's your breath? Chest or belly? Chest. Yes, chest. So what happens is these little kids. When you watch a baby breathe on the beach, it's like their whole beautiful body is breathing. 
then something happens and it gets shifted to their chest and it stays there until someone helps shift it back to their belly. So that's why I like working with parents so they can check in to see, uh oh, did my child's breath start shifting? Because you know when you chest breathe, it puts you in fight and flight, it raises the cortisol and adrenaline and you just feel bad. So we want to be belly breathing, all of us, our whole family. And we want to be nose breathing all day long. It's another piece of this. The no, if there's a James Nestor book is another good book for people to read. It's called Breath. And it's all about the science of breathing. And it's we want to be breathing with our nose all day long because it um it's the healthiest place to breathe. It's best for all our organs. It helps with all sorts of regulation. It moisturizes the air as it goes into the lungs, blah, 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 right? When we do breath work, sometimes we start with our mouth and we breathe this deeper rhythmic mouth breathing at the beginning because it helps clear some of deep emotion and then we shift to the nose. But all day long, we want to be breathing with our nose. So really, and so just getting someone to shift to their nose and to stop using their mouth, because mouth breathing ages us. It dries mm. out our gums. It does all sorts of things that's not good for us. We want to be nose breathing. But some people are just like, I don't want to. My no, you know, I have sinus issues or I don't want to, you know, it's I'm more comfortable with my mouth and just Getting them to shift into a nose breath is the beginning of their practice. Wow. That's so interesting. I didn't know that. Learned something new today. Very interesting. Um, I think it's it's interesting when you also mentioned the fact that, you know, like um, when we really pay attention to where it is, you know, like chest or belly, that's kind of like, oh, I didn't really think about that before. And I guess... A lot of people also don't notice that. So, you know what, it's, it's one of the key takeaways for the day, I would say, just to emphasize um, where we should really pay attention and, and how we should control or monitor the breathing that we are doing. It's, it's like second nature, right? It's just you breathe. You don't really think about it and you just don't pay attention. But there's so much that happens. And I think one of the main things that I've noticed recently is when I'm really stressed out, for example, doing something. I notice that I hold my breath. And then after that, I'm like, oh, wait, I was holding my breath. Why? <laughs> you know, and then I started to breathe again. And I was like, wow, that is actually pretty worrying because I didn't even pay attention to the fact that I was kind of like, you know, like tightening my muscle and holding my breath and not really breathing properly. Um, and we all know what happens when we, if we, when we don't get enough oxygen into our brain. So I guess this is actually really good to pay attention at all times. Um, and I think whenever there's a situation, and recently this is what I've learned as well, whenever there's a situation that's really stressful or, you know, like it's, it's hard to think or to, sometimes I have a headache as well. And a lot of people might struggle with this headaches, migraines, we all, we've all been there. I find that just taking a few moments to breathe and in fresh air, especially really helps me. I don't know if science backs this up uh, at all, but I find that if I'm just indoor controlling my breath, that doesn't really help. But if I actually go outdoor and do that, 
The fresh air really helps me to feel better. The headache sometimes just goes away. It's really cool. The breathing in fresh air is so powerful because when you walk outside, you're immediately put into your five senses. So you you come out of your head where all the energy is here, where the headache is, right? You're buzzing here and you want the energy to be throughout your whole body. So one, you're feeling your feet on the pavement. You're feeling the sun on your face. You're smelling the smells from being outside. You're hearing birds chirp, you know? And so it's an immediate shift in mood to go outside. Yeah. Oh, so true. Couldn't agree more. I think we should all get out more. You know, even, you know, if you if you work at offices, definitely, you know, get go for a coffee walk or something, you know, just even just a short walk. I think we should normalize that. Like, can I have a walking break or, you know, a nature break instead of like a cigarette break? You know, because sometimes people are kind of like and this is what I've noticed when I used to work at um, offices. It's like you you got to have some sort of excuse to get outside. And I feel like, you know what? I just need some fresh air. It's more than enough. So So important. Okay, I'm going to add this in. Yeah. So um, I started like 10 years ago when I needed to have a meeting with someone. um, I would go meet them somewhere where we would walk. So instead of being on a Zoom call or, yeah. you know, whatever, we and, and it w- I usually would go on something near me called the Billy Goat Trail. Okay. And so it was like a Billy Goat meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so any, or you could tell the person if it has to be a phone call, you put in earbuds, I'll put in earbuds and let's go take a walk. But for me, it's first being on nothing just to go feel the sunshine and feel the air and walk and move yourself. So when emotion is stuck in your body, it hurts. And when you're on a phone all day and you're on a computer all day, you're like this, and it's like a kink in a fire hose. You know, like a fire hose, when it's working, it's just poof, the energy's all flowing. But when we get kinked from like dealing with one problem and then another and not having time to process it and it just gets tighter and tighter, the minute you go outside, you're moving your body, you're breathing more deeply. And if you can make some sounds, movement, breath, and sound are powerful tools to help move emotion. It's why breath work is so important. Because if we're barely breathing, we're holding everything down and it just explodes eventually yeah i hear you and and one more important piece is that um people are afraid to feel so if you notice yourself holding your breath a lot you're just you're holding down emotions so like here's a, a a fast one. Like I was in a grocery store racing around when my kids were little and I had flip-flops on and I stubbed my toe on one of those wood fruit crate, you know, crates. Ouch. Yeah. And I found myself in the middle of the store and I heard in my head, practice what you preach. And so here I am in the grocery store with my eyes closed, taking a cut three deep breaths, feeling the pain. I thought it was going to knock me out because it was so hard. And I just 
felt the wash of pain go through me and over me. I kept breathing through it. By the third breath, I could keep going. And usually when I stub my toe, I feel it for like three days. By the next aisle, it was gone. Wow. So when we learn how to use our breath and feel, we heal faster. Mm. Oh, that's so helpful right now. I'm sure we can all use this technique to heal from things we don't talk about, every single one of us. Um, so yeah, I think this is really great. And the final question in this part, um, to go back to what you mentioned briefly earlier, would be the different mindful breathing techniques. Because I think you briefly mentioned them, but we didn't really go into details. Um, so just for our audience, um, final question before we go to something more practical, what are some of the different mindful breathing techniques and how do they actually differ? So um, when, like we talked about with sleep, long and slow in, long and slow out. So that's going to get you in rest and digest. People who have heart issues, coherent breathing is wonderful. It's a five breath in, a little bit of a pause, a five breath out, a little bit of a pause, five breath in, a little bit of a pause, a five breath out. So you're counting for the count of five. Some people can't make it past three. So for them, just building up from three to four and eventually from four to five and yeah. being able to do that five count is going to help heal so many things, right? So then um, I'm sure you've heard about box breathing. Like some people yeah. who are anxious like to breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four, in for yeah. four. So box breathing helps with anxiety. Um, anytime you take a longer exhale, right? Um, it's not an energizing breath, but it helps. So do me a favor, pretend it's your 100th birthday and blow out your candles and then tell me how you feel after, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I am done it. I'm already tired. <laughs> That's my grandpa, the past uh, Lunar New Year. He did not blow a candle, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, so someone. You feel calmer, but you feel tired. You, you know, mm. it's a heavier feeling. It's just a. But if you're very anxious, it's a good place to go, right? But let's say someone needs a energizing breath, right? They didn't have a good night's sleep. And that's where the conscious connected breathing comes in. So um, I'll do it through my mouth so you can hear me. So it's almost like a... So in, out, in, out. That's mm. going to boost your energy. Wow. Okay. That's interesting because I did not sleep well last night. <laughs> so <laughs> that's going to be very helpful for me after this. Well, so try it with your, um, I use a straw breath sometimes so you can really hear me. So it's like a. Yeah. And you do that for like 10, 20 breaths and you're going to start feeling tingly and pulsy and like charged like you had coffee. Right? Okay, I'll do that straight after this. <laughs> okay, and then let's see something big and emotional happens and you want to clear it fast. Mm. So this is one where you breathe in through your nose fully and then you take another sharp sip and then out through your mouth. 
So it looked like this. And you do about five of those and you're like, whoa, whatever was bothering you before, you feel a lot clearer and like ready to tackle it. Yeah. So I need both of those. I'm going to go on our balcony and practice that straight after this. Um, I'm just telling you and hopefully our audience can practice one of those techniques or, you know, some of those, whichever help them, because I think those are super helpful. Very also. Yeah. Like. It's very clearly demonstrated as well. So thank you for that. Um, I think it's kind of a, it's kind of a beautiful and strange thing at the same time because uh, I go to yoga every weekend, and you know one of the things that the the hatha teacher always says is, "No, there's no judgment here. Don't worry if you're going to breathe out really loudly. We want to do that." And uh, I don't remember the technique of breathing that she was mentioning, uh, but every weekend we do that. You know, like inhale really deeply and sigh it out and really loudly every single person in the so room let, let's do it together take a deep breath in and we're gonna sigh it out ready sure let's do it okay how yeah feels so what much better right because it's remember the breath and sound and movement so yeah. if you're doing yoga and you're breathing and you're sighing you're getting emotion, stuck emotion out of your body and you just feel better. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing because I, I also love the fact that, you know, there's no judgment there in this yoga studio. Um, and, and that's what I really want to talk about because, you know, probably a few years ago, if we had had this conversation, I'd be like, okay, Lauren, but that's a bit awkward to practice because, you know, it sounds weird or it looks weird. Like maybe I just want to be by myself when I'm doing this. But now I would actually invite others to join me, like colleagues, friends, family, because I truly think that this is super helpful. So thank you so much for sharing that. Any other techniques of breathing that we haven't mentioned that you would like to talk about before we <laughs> move on? Can I bring conscious connected breathing in now? <laughs> is that a good time? Yes, absolutely. Perfect timing. Okay, so conscious connected breathing, right? Some people call it breath work. Like in my case, I created vitality breath because I feel like well-being is when you feel vital, alive, energetic, right? Flowing. So conscious connected breathing, whether through your nose or your mouth. Remember all day long, it's the healthiest place to breathe is your nose. But with breath work at the beginning, when you have to clear a lot of heavy emotion to get the energy flowing in our body and and to get our breath big and full. Um, the conscious connected breathing is very hard for people at the beginning. So like anyone can do the breathing techniques that we're showing. You know, I've worked with people right after they've had a baby and we've done little finger breath sessions on, on babies to clear the trauma of birth. I've helped train people to take their last breath in life, which is really in interesting because some people, as they pass, you barely notice. It's this easeful transition out. And some people scream their way out. Mm. So to learn how to breathe your way out is just as important. So breath work helps us with all transitions in life. 
So the conscious connected breathing that I was doing a minute ago, that which is a circular connected breath. There's no pause between the inhale and exhale. It's really like, uh, uh, it's like doing a spring cleaning of your house, of rotor rootering, like really cleaning out the whole system. <clears throat> People come to me for a retreat and the first day of breathing, <clears throat> you may see tears or you may see like tightness of breath or you may see whatever by the Mid, mid middle of the retreat, you'll start to see hugging going on and more sharing and more noise. You know, like when I do breath work as in yoga, like I'm not afraid to tone or make sounds in yoga because obviously <laughs> I know the importance of it. Yeah. Hello. So in, in breath work, we do some toning. So the sound, ah, clears the heart. Oh, helps us get anchored in our body. Brings the energy up and out. So different vowel sounds, and you can play with that, clear different things. So conscious connected breathing is a very important tool for well-being. And some people who have epilepsy or heart issues or pregnancy need to ask a doctor first before they can do it. Um, and I can have anyone do breath work if I have them do this long, slow, just being conscious with their breath. So someone may come to a, a group breath session and they're eight months pregnant and I'll just prop them up in a different way and, and just have them do a longer, slower, gentler breath. And they'll get to the same place that people are doing the more powerful breath that's going to get to. So I just wanted to add in, um, I mean, people can go to vitalitybreath.life, my website, to learn more about what breath work is. Um, or, you know, uh, go to the International Breathwork Foundation to see what it is. It's really important when you're doing breath work for the first time to work with someone certified who knows what you're doing because what happens with breath work is and i'm going to go deep for a minute if that's okay yeah totally inside of us is a wounded sometimes can be a wound and most people there's a wounded child and an enlightened parent and depending where we are in life and for a lot of people their wounded child is driving the car and um, so they were going to respond to life the way a five-year-old would respond to being hurt or being told no, right? But the more breath work you do, the more and more the enlightened parent or the enlightened self is the one driving the car. And so breath work helps us work through a lot of our childhood traumas that stop us from being in deep relationships that stop us from having good friendships or manifesting our dreams because we're fearful right the way we breathe is the way we live so if you're taking these little shallow chest breaths all day long it's going to be very hard for you to manifest these big dreams 
So my whole philosophy is dream big and stay there and use breathwork to help you make it happen, right? So the more breathwork you do, the more clear you are, the more you're able to vision and breathe and make your dreams happen. So um, I hope that was a short enough way to kind of explain the power of connected breathing. Yeah, no, totally. I think it's very enlightening because I think childhood trauma is something that my friend and I have been talking about a lot because, you know, we have, we all have things to work through, even if on the surface, it seems like nothing was wrong. Um, and, you, you know, this is the first time that I've heard, you know, breathing, a, a breathing technique can actually help with that. So definitely we'll share this with her. Um, and I'm sure our audience would benefit from it as well. And we'll definitely go to your website to check out more about, you know, what breath work is about. Um, it takes practice though. So let's be a bit more practical because you're the expert, right? You've worked in this field for so long, but I still wonder what is a practice that you use personally to improve your mindful breathing? Because I'm sure your practice evolves. It's not the exact same thing every time. So how do you do it? What is a practice that you use to improve it? All right. So your question is complicated because Every day I'm, I have to look at where my breathing is. Like some days I am shallow breathing and mm. so I have to reopen my breath. So yeah. how about if I start there to show self? So do you have a chair you can lean back into? Yeah. yeah. So lean into your chair and I want you to breathe into your back body. So as you inhale, okay. feel your back expand in the chair and then let it go. And then you're going to breathe into your back and let it go. And again. And one more time, breathe into your back and let it go. Now close your eyes and feel. Do you feel any interesting energy starting to rise up in different parts? Yeah, I feel like something is up in my head. <laughs> yeah. So as we open the breath, we're releasing things. And if I said to you, because you went to head first, do you spend a lot of time in your head all day long? Mm. Yeah. And so like one of my teachers might say, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be good for you to be a little bit more lightheaded? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So we know we open the back of the breath. And so most people all, you know, our lungs are 360 degrees around, right? So we can't, we're not just front breathing all day long. Okay. So now take your arms and hug yourself, but hold either side of your rib, rib, rib cage. Mm -hmm. So, okay. And now we're going to side breathe into our hands. So as you inhale, you're going to feel your sides expand as you exhale. You'll feel the rib cage come back in. So breathe into your sides. Feel the lungs expand sideways and exhale. Back in again, inhale. And let go. Two more deep ones in and let it go. And one more big one. 
and let it go. Then close your eyes and feel again. And where do you feel it this time in your body? I'm feeling lightheaded as well. Okay. Again. Yeah. So just remember that emotions are energy and motion. Emotions are energy and motion. And when that energy is stuck, when that emotion is stuck, it hurts. And when we fully breathe, we're giving ourselves a chance to integrate any emotion we haven't had a chance to feel. So it's going to come up and out. So when we can relax and breathe with it and just let it be any which way it is, it's going to move. So breath work helps us first to integrate it, right? To really feel it, process it, integrate it, and then it moves. Again, remember, people are afraid to feel. They want to drink it down. They want to pill it. It was funny. I had a client once. He came for anxiety. So we were in the middle of a breath session, and he's breathing full and this and that. Actually, it was the end of the session. He sat up. Like most people, the end of the session are just kind of laying there, just chilling with the energies for a little while before they talk. He sat up, bolt right, sat right up, and he's like, I wanted it to be a pill. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> if he said, um, he had a pain in his back for years. I guess he was taking meds or whatever. And he understood, again, like how the pain was both emotional and physical. And the pain went away during the session, completely gone. Wow. And he didn't want to have to do the work. He just wanted to be able to take a pill. Yeah. So breath worker for those people also who are ready to own their wellness, like to yeah. help release and let go. And anyway. Mm, absolutely. Wow. That's, that's a really good thing to know. So I think the golden question that our, our audience would probably be wondering is how often should we do this? So I'm going to say it again, like brushing teeth. You want to do a little bit every day. And once a mm. week, you want to do a bigger clearing one. So mm. I normally tell people, go get three breath sessions from somebody that's mm. like licensed. You can go on the International Breathwork Foundation's website, like if you're from Japan or England or Australia or whatever, there's beautiful breathwork schools in all the countries. Mm. And then... You find yourself someone and then go get three sessions. If not, you can go online to YouTube and put in breath work for beginners and mm. just begin to start to have a practice. And if nothing else, put a hand on your belly and one on your chest and see if you could take an inhale from your belly to your chest and let it go. And again, in and let it go full diaphragmatic breath from belly to chest and let it go and if you do 10 of those in the morning it's going to start you at a, at a better place or if you could do it at your lunch hour and just 
getting 10 breaths in a day just to begin your practice. It's going to be huge. So um, thank you so much for that. I think we should all incorporate that into our daily practice um, and baby steps are always important. So thanks so much for sharing such uh, practical tips with our audience. And for myself, I'm def definitely going to do that daily from now on. Um, now, let's do something fun before we wrap up. We have a section called Open Mic, and we would like to introduce you to talk about anything you're passionate about. Um, it could be related to the topic or it could be something entirely different. Um, it's totally up to you. Um, I have a feeling you might talk about your work, uh, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am completely passionate about what I do. And, you know, there was a study that just came out that says 60% of um, this was a United States study, 60% of people are um, feeling disconnected from others and lonely. And only, and less than 40% of the people have more than three friends. And they're calling it a mental health crisis that's happening here in our country. And I think the pandemic was the beginning of, of having friend groups pull apart and, you know, not being able to hug and be together and connect. And whether it's your spiritual practices or, you know, going off with girlfriends or whatever it is that helps you feel connected, having people feel disconnected is um, not good for well-being. So... What I, I wanted to throw out there is, you know, getting, like you said, you're going to take your girlfriends and your family now and you're going to get them to do some breathing with you, right? Like, um, I have a client who um, I'm teaching this Saturday online and, and, um, and in person and her birthday party, I guess it's her 40th birthday. She's bringing friends to this breathwork class that I'm teaching as part of her birthday celebration. Then they're going to go eat after um, because she wants her girlfriends to understand what this is to help them reconnect in a deeper way. And then for me, once people start doing breathwork and having mindfulness practices, it starts to open something up in them that they they start to want to um one help others you know once you start helping yourself and you start feeling good and then you want others to feel good and then you're helping them and then the next thing is like well you want to help the planet you know you want to clean the water and you want to help make our air cleaner and you want to help make soil cleaner and you just want to make the planet a healthier place to live and so I feel like there's this huge ripple effect when people have a mindfulness practice. And so I'm very passionate, especially when I work with kids and they start to get this and they start to feel better and they can, you know, quickly heal their childhood wounds. And they're like, well, wow, like what, what can I do for the planet? I want to be part of it. And, and they do a, a neighborhood cleanup or the, the young woman who recently figured out how to add something to the pesticides that stops hurting bees so bees can stick you know thrive because bees are so important to our planet and mm -hmm. anyway um so i'm super passionate about the oceans and um, um my husband works really closely with the ocean foundation and 
and and putting you know putting seagrass because you know there's a huge percentage of our air that comes from the oceans not just trees so we need healthy oceans to have air to breathe so anyway you're getting me down this whole rabbit hole of like <laughs> what i'm passionate about <laughs> but i love it though it's amazing to hear so inspiring inspiring um so yeah keep going if you have more to share what should we do? You know, like what are some of the things that our audience should know or can start participating in to help? You know, like that's those would be key messages. So the it all starts with loving yourself. I know that sounds corny and like a Hallmark card, but it starts with loving ourselves. Like when you read my book, Breath Love, in there it gets down to unconditional love for yourself first. Cause you don't truly love another until you unconditionally love yourself. So once you start healing and you see that your uniqueness is important and that you're enough just as you are and that you are alive and that's a blessing and that there's so much awe and wonder out in the world. And you and and so as you heal, and as I say again, starts with self-love, then that unconditional love goes out. And then you just want everything to thrive and be happy and full of love and peace and joy. And so, uh, you know, whether it's a breathwork practice or a yoga class or whatever it takes to get you to this juicy, alive place, then go find something that makes your insides go, yes, you know. Um, my son was just telling me that his girlfriend is going to start doing something with a Samoyed rescue in Colorado because she's passionate about dogs right and so whatever it is that makes your soul sing go do it because soul food is nourishing yeah absolutely oh i love that i've been feeling like i need to do something more these days in the sense that you know it's exactly what you just talk about nurturing the soul and volunteering is actually a really good idea you know, just to, to be close to what you care about. So I'll think about it and hopefully our audience will think about what they can do as well. And um, self-love, yes, it does sound very corny, but super important too. Um, so those are all really lovely messages. And I really love that you close this podcast episode with these ones. Um, thank you so much for joining us, for bringing your lovely energy and all the amazing breath works that we just did throughout the episode. Uh, lots of breathing in this episode, to be honest. The first time we've had so much practical breathing um, techniques and practices on the spot. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I hope you had a good time as well. And hopefully we'll have you back another time. I would love it. And thank you for your beautiful energy and what you put out into the world. It's so important. I'm so blessed to concord this today's vision plan. You've been listening to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, Please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at we.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Lu Ngo. Thanks for tuning in.